The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Great champions have no use for yes men and women. None. They are candid with themselves and with others. They certainly have egos, but they have a fundamental lack of vanity when it comes to being honest about themselves and their performances. Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is the Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kovnat. Now, I'm not much of a sports fan. I mean, I follow the big leagues more or less. I pay a little more attention around playoff time. But spectator sports have never really been my thing the way they are for so many Americans, including some of my nearest and dearest. I mean, the games can be fun to watch, I guess, but tuning in to see multimillionaire marvels of genetics and conditioning hurl themselves at one another has always seemed kind of pointless to me. But is it? Today we're going to hear from sports writer Sally Jenkins, who thinks we all have something to learn from the world of sports, even us less coordinated ones. Sally has been a columnist and feature writer for the Washington Post for more than 20 years. She was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in 2020, and in 2021 was named the winner of the Associated Press Red Smith Award for Outstanding Contributions to Sports Journalism. In 2005, she was the first woman to be inducted into the National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Hall of Fame, and she joins us now to share some big ideas from her book, The Right Call, What Sports Teach Us About Work and Life. The sports writer's seat really is the best in the house. I've been to 10 Olympic Games, half a dozen Super Bowls, too many Final Fours to count, and I've watched up close as great athletes and coaches make the right call in real time under extreme pressures. A question has always nagged at me. What can ordinary people learn from these events? It's the $64,000 question, really. Are the greats just there to awe and entertain us, or can we borrow from them? The answer is that we can borrow heavily, even those of us who sit at a desk and imagine we're only working from the neck up. Here are five crucial ways in which watching great athletes and coaches can literally elevate your own performance no matter what you do. The first principle that leaps out is conditioning. The worst calls or mistakes happen when someone is tired. Marshalling your energies therefore matters. How you respond when you're completely gassed is a big part of making good decisions under pressure. What stresses you? Your body stresses you when you're tired. So we have to be aware that it's necessary to pay the price to know what it feels like to be tired and still able to perform at a high level. Laymen tend to think of athletic conditioning as something you do purely to build muscle. But a mountain of neuroscience shows that physical training actually increases the gray matter in the frontal lobes of your brain. It enhances your memory, your attention, your focus, your overall executive function. You think you aren't working at a desk? Consider this. A high-level chess player burns 500 to 600 calories sitting over a board for a couple of hours. Under stress, your mind will rob your muscles of the energy to function. The CEO who smokes cigars and has a three-martini lunch is a figure of the past. The second principle that is inescapable in studying champions is the way they practice. 
Without practice, even the best design play can make a shot caller really look like a fool. And practice is more than just tedious repetition. It's the willingness to diagnose your weaknesses and fix them. Most of us practice very casually and rarely in the face of the actual resistance we're going to face at work. We decide to take up tennis and we, you know, get pretty good at it, but we run around our weak backhand. The truth is that really great champions work on, say, their non-dominant left foot. They practice in the face of real resistance, and they're constantly looking for their unconscious incompetencies. The best athlete I ever saw at addressing her blind spots was Martina Navratilova. In 1989, she had won 17 Grand Slams, but she was plateauing in her career as she got older and she knew it. So she hired Billie Jean King to work with her to refresh her game. King started with an interesting teaching technique. You teach me, King said. Navratilova said, but you're supposed to teach me. King replied, I need to know what you know. And they started there. And after several weeks of practice, Navratilova was a completely refreshed player who had realized that she had lapsed into some bad habits, which she corrected, and she goes on to win a record ninth Wimbledon title that year. The great conjurer Ricky Jay once said that what makes magic is practice. Candor is the third principle these champions all have in common. You can't practice well without honestly addressing your shortcomings. Great champions have no use for yes men and women, none. They are candid with themselves and with others. They certainly have egos, but they have a fundamental lack of vanity when it comes to being honest about themselves and their performances. A great example of this is Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, in his first three years in the NFL, his win-loss record was only 32 and 32. He was a 500 quarterback. Furthermore, he led the league in interceptions. Manning sat down with his new head coach, Tony Dungy, and he underwent several weeks of film work looking at his interceptions. He didn't study the tape of his great performances. He studied the tape of his worst performances. He went even further than that. He looked at the passes that he threw that should have been interceptions, and he just got lucky. This is what made Peyton Manning into the Hall of Fame quarterback that he later became. Discipline is the fourth principle that is truly striking in the commonalities among champions. Even when great athletes and coaches are making snap decisions in fast-moving contexts, they're always married to discipline. It may sound counterintuitive, but discipline is actually what allows for effective improvisation. And without it, you're just an uncontrolled hacker. If you ever hear a young talent say they just want to play on instinct, you can mark them down as a probable bust. A lot of people misinterpret discipline as demandingness. It's not. It's about fostering an interior morality and structure. The greats make level-headed choices based on structured habits laid down long before they reach the critical moment. The fifth most inescapable principle among champions is the extent to which they are acquainted with failure. It's a really conspicuous through line among the people who perform well under pressure. Failure has shaped them. In fact, they universally describe failure as an essential precondition for success. Only through their failures, if they assess them candidly, do they acquire the self-understanding and intentionality that leads to eventual victories. 
Consider this. Every year in the NFL, an average of seven head coaches out of 32 are fired. Almost a quarter of the profession. They learn a lot about surviving professional pain with buoyancy. The fact is, it's impossible to fully master their craft and learn their profession without making mistakes and surviving some career reversals. Every year on the Super Bowl field, it's interesting to note that of a Super Bowl winning roster of 53 men, usually 20 to 25 players, almost half of those rosters, weren't even drafted coming out of college. In other words, the field at the Super Bowl is littered with people who at one time were considered failures. These successful deciders and champions, they share such a coherent set of learned principles, and altogether they really amount to a way of being. A principle is not a management ploy, it's not a stratagem, it's not a maxim. Those things won't prevail over the instability that is competition in the modern world. These are foundational modes of behavior, and they permit men and women to make hard, difficult, sometimes even undesirable choices without panic and with the clear-eyed recognition that through sound practice, you can, over time, increase your odds of being right more often than not. Thank you, Sally. All right, I'm convinced watching Monday Night Football is not just good entertainment, it's self-improvement. Thrilling, hard-hitting, sometimes brutal self-improvement. Another way you can enjoy yourself and improve yourself at the same time, become a member of the Next Big Idea Club. We'll send you a curated selection of the best, most interesting new nonfiction as chosen by Adam Grant, Malcolm Gladwell, Susan Cain, and Dan Pink. You'll get two books a quarter, eight books a year, along with reading guides and other goodies. Check it out at nextbigideaclub.com and use promo code DAILY for a special discount. And come on back tomorrow when we're going to go deep with Eric Howell, author of the new book, The World Behind the World, Consciousness, Free Will, and the Limits of Science. Prepare to have your mind blown. I'm Michael Kavanagh. See you tomorrow.